year. I'm going to be teaching on ministering to the Lord. Somebody say ministering to the Lord. Someone may ask, where does this fall in our theme? Acts 20.32, the Bible says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Now, I must mention something. When you are commended to someone, you submit to them. Um, I've heard some people praying, I commend myself. No, no. Paul commended us as we submit ourselves. I, I hope you're hearing me. So one important aspect of submission is ministering to the Lord. So somebody say ministering to the Lord. Say one more time, ministering to the Lord. You understand why certain things must be done. You understand why certain things are abnormal for a believer. And you understand why certain things are normal for a believer. How many believers do we have in the house? Not one believer who didn't lift up their hands. What's your problem? If I say lift up your hands and your neighbor doesn't, give them a look. Okay, Fred. Calm down. Let's go. Next month, from the 3rd of February to the 23rd of February, we're having a special prayer program. Okay? How many of you know the prayer chains that we do every Thursday? Okay. I ask some people... I think we need to reorient you. You know, there are some things which if you don't know, either when announcements are being given, I don't know where your mind goes, or you come late, or we just didn't announce. Nevertheless, a few things that are a must if you are in this ministry. You have to be on our church WhatsApp group. You have to be on it. If you're not on our church WhatsApp group, end of service, just go to the desk and just say, I'm not on the church WhatsApp group. Leave your name and number, you'll be added. Number two, we've got a secret Facebook group. You can't find it even if you search for it. So go leave your name, we'll add you to it. I'm saying this because during the prayers, there'll be days we'll be praying together. Number three, get a church, fill in a membership form. When you fill in a form, we can account for you. Apart from filling, when you fill in a form, you get to do a three weeks orientation program. In that program, you're oriented on everything on how the church runs. Is that so difficult? It's not, eh? So we're going to be doing, we do a prayer chain every Thursday. Is it every Friday? We do a prayer chain every Friday, which is from midnight to midnight. There's every hour there's someone praying. And there's accountability in that when you're starting to pray, you inform us. And when you're done, you inform us. If you can lie about prayer, you've got a problem. No, if you can lie about prayer, then that which is fighting you needs an overnight. <laughs> or a convention. <laughs> Not a conference, a convention. Three days of convocation. First night, night of war. (laughs) 
what I'm trying to say is, so we do that. Now, I will share the experience probably next month, but this morning I had an experience, and God sent a messenger from heaven, and he was talking about prayer. And so in response to it, we're going to have, the way we do the prayer chains, it will be every day. Okay? Of course, the only day that will be a bit difficult will be Sunday, but we'll still make up for it by overpraying on Saturday. That's what they used to do in the Bible. On one day, they would overdo it, right? Yeah, so we'll still make up for it. And what's going to happen is that every day, each person will pick an hour. Whether you're busy, you will see next month when I explain it. But each person will pick an hour. And then every week, each person will also pick a day to fast. But we'll do it in such a way that each and every day there is somebody fasting. Okay? So it's going to be really, really special. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, let's begin. We're dealing with ministering to the Lord. Someone may be saying, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. That's why I've prepared the program for you. Another person may be saying, Pastor, I know how to pray. That's why we've prepared the program for you. Proverbs chapter 8. And the reason I've decided to start with Proverbs chapter 8, how many of you know that we've been reading the book of Proverbs every day this month? So meaning today we're on chapter what? 19. You see what I'm, you see what I'm talking about? About being in the groups and paying attention during announcements. So, Proverbs chapter 8, look at how it begins from verse 1. Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? Now, notice that in Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is given a personality. And we see wisdom being given a personality all the way from Proverbs chapter 3. But in Proverbs chapter 8, there is a way wisdom's personality is described. If you read it properly, it will amaze you. Because you get to see who wisdom is. Let's read from verse 23. This is wisdom talking. Now, why am I starting by sharing this? Because for you to understand ministering to the Lord, you must first have an understanding of, of what God thinks about us. So look at this. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 23. The Bible says, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. Imagine, wisdom is saying, before there was ever an earth, I was already established. Let's go on. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Uh-huh. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. Oh, my wisdom is a person. Let's go. Well, as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. We just keep going. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, I was there. Uh-huh. When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters would not transgress his command. 
You know, this planet is covered with water, right? Somehow, there's just a place the water couldn't reach. Praise the Lord. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, let's keep going. There I was beside him as a master craftsman. Wisdom is a master craftsman. But then this reminds you of John 1 verse 1 which says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And it says through him were all things made and without him was nothing made which was made. And I was, now this is the part I want you to see. It says there I was beside him as a master craftsman and I was daily his delight. Just in case people think Jesus started a couple thousand years ago. Before the earth was made, he was daily God's delight. Daily. And look at what it says. Rejoicing always before him. My friend, if Jesus can rejoice before the presence of God, then you will carry so. <laughs> By the way, if you've been, if you've heard a few of, my, of the teachings from the other years, you understand what the Bible, what Paul calls shadows and types. Meaning when you're reading the Old Testament, you have to look out for shadows and types. You have to look out for them. I don't want to go into those because when I start talking about shadows and types, I end the Layla. So let's go on. Now look at this. Rejoicing in his inhabited world. The world is inhabited with many things. I don't think human beings are the most, are we? Do you know how many ants are there in this world? Is it in Botswana where there are more cows than humans? Yes, I think so. If I'm not mistaken, Botswana has more, it has more animals than humans. It's serious beef, my friend. Serious beef. <laughs> They're vegetarian. It's a serious temptation. There are so many creatures that have walked the earth. Some have gone extinct. You never hear, know, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth that he should go and heal all the lions which are suffering from sickness. No. Somehow they are not his concern. Of course he's got a part that he plays with all of them, but they are not his concern. But look at what it says. Rejoicing in his inhabited world. Oh my God, this read it together. One, two, three, go. So you can imagine, here is a world, it's inhabited. But there's only one, one of God's creation that caught his attention. The sons of men. For them, he was willing to be crucified. For them, he was willing to come down on earth and be killed. For them... His delight has always been in the sons of men. God's delight is in you. God's delight is in you. I read this through different versions. I read it. Let's see the NLT. There are some versions I read it in which are not even here. How happy I was with the world he created. How I rejoiced with the human family. You have to have an understanding. Before we talk about ministering to the Lord, I need you to have an understanding of how God thinks. There are many times God has been presented to us as 
a bully as this angry person like is waiting like mess up mess up i want to send you to hell mess up that's not who he is can you imagine despite all the filthy stuff human beings have done it wasn't his hatred for sin that made him send jesus it's his love for you and i it says for god so loved Imagine, they mentioned for God so hated murderers and fornicators that he sent Jesus out, they should go, no, no, no. His intention was, you know what, I love this guy so much. But, but, but you're holy, but I love them so much. But you're holy, but I love them so much. So what are you going to do? There's someone who delighted in the sons of men. I've got a feeling he just turned his eyes and said, wisdom. Is somebody following me? That's why there is no reason why you should not be born again. There is no reason why you shouldn't give your life to the Lord. His delight has always been in you. Someone is saying, but I, I don't know how to do it. I think it's hard. I don't know how I'll, I'll, I'll live my life and whatnot. God would not demand a lifestyle of you that he cannot supply you grace for. It would be unfair of him. Yes, you can clap. It's Every now and then. Last week's service, we got messages from different people who are watching. There was a man who was watching in Kalumbila, wherever that is, Solwezi. Okay. And apparently, as he was watching, there's a light that entered his room, and the power of God hit him. If those of you around the church page, I don't know if you've seen that testimony, there's a light that entered his room. Ha ha ha. So, you know what we did this week? We've increased our coverage. <laughs> and we'll take it everywhere. We are just beginning. Everyone must hear this. No, I don't know what you think, but we've got a message worth hearing. This message brings hope to the hopeless. It's able to establish a person. Let's go on. And we're just starting. <laughs> Come on. So now, I want you to understand that God has always had delight in the sons of men. My friend, when God wanted to bring forth trees, he spoke to the ground. When he wanted fish, he spoke to the water. When he wanted you, he spoke to himself. He said, let us make. All the other things he made, he thought he was, it was good. When he made you, he thought it was very good. If you've read in the scripture, say, this is very good. Somebody needs to hear this. Just tell somebody, you're very good. God's delight is in you. Come on, tell someone, you're very, very, very good. Can you imagine? Now someone is saying, um, I've not done that many good things. He loved us while we were yet sinners. That part of thirst has been quenched. You meet someone who thinks you're very good. Do you know how it's like living in this earth? I don't know if you agree with me, but this earth where people are always... Like you always have to up your game. They can go from liking you to not liking you in a minute. You can go from being their favorite footballer <laughs> to them shouting, Praise the Lord. I'm just saying, we are living in a world where everything is a test. Doesn't it feel good to know that there is somebody 
who has eternally decided to love you. He loved you before you were born. He loved you when you were born. He loved you when you were in diapers. He loved you when you were making mistakes. He loved you when you came to him. He loved you when you ran away. He loved you. He followed you again when you ran away and brought you back to him. (laughs) Imagine that. He loved you when you were reading the Bible. He loved you when you stopped reading the Bible. He loved you when you were clubbing. He loved you when you stopped clubbing. That's why he didn't want you to go back clubbing because he loves you. And he knows that place is not good for you. Oh my God. Can you imagine? He's just always loved you. Let's go on. I want you to see that God's thoughts about Israel in the Old Testament, you notice that they're similar to Christ's thought about us in the New. Because remember shadows and types and Paul talks about us being the spiritual Paul talks about us being Jews spiritually. You've seen that, right? In the book of Romans? Okay. So Hosea chapter 2 verse 19. I want you to see what God said about Israel. This was when Israel was sinning. This was when Israel was messing up. Hosea 2 verse 19. This is what God has been saying about you. The Bible says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. For the sake of those who don't know what the word betroth means, NLT. <laughs> Next verse. And you finally know me as the Lord. There's actually a book I am writing which I'll, I'll not tell you the title but have you observed how many times in the bible it's over 49 times the promise kept coming i will be their god i will be their god i will be their god what does it really mean what did it really mean to the israelites to have a god such that the other such that when Moses was talking to God, when God wanted to destroy Israel, he said, And then what will other people say about the Israelites' God? Why is it that the Philistines, when they came to attack Israel, the first thing they wanted was the Ark of the Covenant? Why is it that whenever all these empires would attack Israel, the, the thing they would go under and destroy first was not the palace, they would go destroy the temple? What was it about the temple? Do you think all those guys were foolish? Why would they go after the temple? I will be their God. So can you imagine God has said this about you? He promised, I will make you my wife forever. I'll be faithful to you. And this part, he's not even talking about your faithfulness. He's talking about his. He says, I'll be faithful to you and make you mine. You know what it means to be his? My friend, you know what it means to be his? The Advantage Conference, Pastor Chole was preaching. And there's something he said that just blew me away. And he says, when an animal grabs a hoard of meat, you can't get it. Have you, has anyone ever given meat to an animal? First, it will run away and secure its slot. Once it puts its mouth there, it's saying, mine, mine, mine. And you're saying that's the way you should be with the word of God. <laughs> like, grab a hoard of it. Like... like like mine, exponential, like nothing is getting this away. <laughs> anyway, to remove the mouth of an animal from a carcass. Now, can you imagine now? This is beyond that. God says mine. 
and you think the devil can snatch you out of his hands and you think somebody can go do some charm somewhere and get a black chicken and a black chicken can snatch you out of god's hands it's about time we became confident in the promises of god but then notice he says you'll be my wife that shows you that god has always wanted to relate with us not just in the context of god clearly has other intentions god you think listen wisdom's delight has always been in the sons of men you think jesus died so that you should just be saying good night to him every night and talking to him when you're about to eat give me the new king james ephesians 5 25 say ministering to the lord the bible says husbands husbands love your wives just as christ has also loved the church and he gave himself for her you know one thing i love about the bible it's so balanced you know why i say so have you ever seen the scripture that says children honor your parents have you seen the very next verse it says parents don't provoke your children have you noticed whenever the bible talks about wives submitting it also talks about husbands loving but sometimes especially in our culture we emphasize the wife submitting we don't necessarily emphasize the husband loving husbands love your wives amen love them those are some of the wonderful things we'll be teaching at the men's conference so, <laughs> so the bible says husbands love your wives just as christ also loved the church and gave himself for her and then from here on we see him giving a teaching on marriage okay but then the teaching on marriage it's good for married couples but there is a teaching beyond that teaching verse 31 will show you it says for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh uh-huh this is a great mystery but i speak concerning christ and the church so meaning yes that teaching was on husbands and wives but it's a great mystery because beyond the husbands and the wives that scripture was given to us for, for us to see how christ and the church should relate so meaning there is a relationship of husband and wife having said that let me show you a responsibility of a wife because we are the bride of christ and the bible tells us he's coming back for a for a spotless bride not the word bride he's coming back for a church that loves him he's coming back for a bride He's coming back for bone of his bone. He's coming back for flesh of his flesh. Now, I want us to see something Peter said about wives. First Peter, chapter number three. And I want us to see verse two. Should read all of it. I know a number of us are now reaching that stage. Uh, I, I was even wondering how I would do my schedule because I know there are going to be a lot of weddings. Okay? How do I know? The Bible says, <laughs> how do I know? The Bible is very clear. It says, none shall lack a mate. In case you are worried about that area, I've just settled it. You will not lack a mate in Jesus' name. We don't lack in anything. Now, I want us to see this from the Amplified. Now, this is written to wives. But now, for today, I want us to picture it as the bride of Christ, okay? Because we are the bride of Christ. It says, when they observe your pure and modest way in which you conduct yourself, together with your reverence for your husband, you are to feel for him 
all that reverence that includes to respect, to defer to, to revere him, to honor, to esteem, to appreciate, to prize, and in the human sense, to adore him. That is to admire, to praise, to be devoted to, and to deeply love and enjoy your husband. I'll tell you something. Like I said, that scripture, as your wife, read it. But now also as the bride of Christ, read it. That's how we must be with our Lord. We must admire our God. We must praise him. We must appreciate him. We must honor him. We must esteem him. In the human sense, we must adore him. We must adore him. My first point was to see God's heart towards us. And God's heart towards us is that he's always delighted in us. And he promised to make us his wife. Now I'm showing you that as his wife, as his bride, we've got a responsibility to minister to him. And you'll notice that those things that have been mentioned have to do with somebody's heart. We've got a responsibility to minister to God's heart. Coming now to ministering to the Lord. Maybe let me just show you one more scripture. I want you to see that God has always yearned for us. He's always wanted to feel what it feels to have you love him. I'll show you soon. James chapter number 4, verse 5. And we'll see it from the Amplified. Some of you who wonder what the Amplified is, the word Amplified simply means to amplify. Okay. So when we use the Amplified translation, it, why there are more words is because it sees the words in light of the Greek and the Hebrew. Or do you suppose that the scripture is speaking to no purpose? Look at this. That the spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us and he yearns for the spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love. Can you imagine? God is yearning. He's put his spirit in you, right? And yet, though his spirit in you, his spirit is still yearning and is yearning to be welcomed with a jealous love. He wants you to love him jealously. It says he's yearned to be loved with a jealous love. Have you noticed when God gave the law? Did you see how he starts? Haven't you noticed? He starts saying, you shall have no other God before me. And he explains his nature. He just says, let me just be honest with you, me, I'm jealous. Do you know that the one who was punishing to, fourth, to generations in the Bible was not the devil, it was God. Children of God. He described himself, he said, I am jealous, punishing even to the fourth generation. And he says he punishes those who hate him. The first thing he described was his jealousy. <laughs> and the spirit has always longed to be welcomed with a jealous love. A love that is jealous. You know what a jealous love does? It guards. It says, mine, mine, mine. No one touches it. Never let anything affect your relationship with God. There's nothing worth it. Someone may be asking, what does God yearn for? Eh? I wrote a note down, which I love. Look at what, he said. Look at what I wrote. God desires your free will. That's what he yearns for. Let me put it like this. There are some people who think, but there is one thing God has given man that he does not take away and he cannot take away, and that's free will. 
are there any people who agree with me that it means more when someone does something for you out of free will than out of obligation I've given him choices. I've given him the right to choose life, to choose Jesus, to choose me, to choose my way of doing things. There's nothing that delights God more than a human being giving their free will to God. You've got the right to lift up your hands. You've got the right to keep them down. They're your hands anyway. And you decide to say, I'll keep, I'll lift my hands. I don't know, some people think maybe when we're lifting our hands, there's like a special grace that comes. There's an oil you feel on your hands. And no, no, no. Can you imagine, like out of your own free will, you decide to just lift them and say, For you are glorious and worthy to be praised, the Lamb upon the throne. And unto you we lift our voice in praise. <laughs> For him, he's like, wow. He could have decided not to. Could have decided not to do anything today. Could have decided just to go to bed. Had a busy day at work. Maybe it was even stressful. But the person still decided just to... To, to take aside 20, 30 minutes and just lift their hands and minister to me. Oh my. Now, what is ministering to the Lord? Let's look at a scripture where it's mentioned. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. You can give me from the New King James. Acts 13, verse 2. Well, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. So can you imagine, they were just ministering to the Lord. This, they, this ministering to the Lord, they didn't even seem to have had an agenda. There is a story we love in the Bible. How many of us have read it? Acts chapter 16. Do you remember it when Paul and Silas were whipped for, for casting out a demon. And if you've read, uh, I think it's Acts 16, verse 32, you see something that happened where they, they worshipped at about midnight. I think that's the reason a lot of people pray at midnight. Uh, <laughs> and we all know what happened. Um, no, I think when you go back down, it should be verse 25. Eh? Let, let, let's see it, verse 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, hold on. There are many of us who believe that uh, praising God brings a breakthrough. Do I believe that? Yes. But one thing I find interesting is that that doesn't seem to be the reason Paul and Silas were praising God. They were just praising him. It seems as if it was their custom. Even if they were whipped that day, they will praise him. Even if they were not whipped that day, they will praise him. It was a normal thing for them. It was their lifestyle to just minister to him and praise him. Ministering to God. The person who ministers to God, their worship is not moody. Now, what does it mean to minister to the Lord? To minister means to serve, right? To minister means to meet somebody's needs. God has fellowship needs. 
He wants to be worshipped. He wants to be praised. He wants to be praised. Haven't you seen in the scriptures where they told Jesus saying, no, 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 stop your, stop the, stop your disciples from shouting Hosanna. And he replied, if I stop them, go to raise stones. I don't know about you, but I refuse to be replaced by a stone. Imagine the earth declares his glory. Creation declares his glory. Then they don't have a choice. But then for us, he gives us free will and tells us, I, I, I want you to love me. He wants people who will love him. He's done all this for us and he just wants people who will love him. People who love him for free. As in, we shouldn't have to... Let's look at a few ways you can minister to the Lord according to scripture. Number one, Psalm 32 verse 11. Psalm 32 verse 11. We'll read it together and then when you read it, you do it. One, two, three, go. Say, rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them. Then notice his next sentence. He said, if you want to be great, be the servant of them all. That means there's nothing wrong with wanting to be great. It's a method. You think I, I want to be a small pastor? Come on! <laughs> Everyone wants to be shouted for. And by the way, why are we quoting a lot of David? What did God say about David? Didn't God say, I have found a man, a man who is after my heart. David touched God's heart. Eh, then we might as well use the key of David and look at the things David did. And then the Bible says, he holds the key of David. And what's the key of David? He opens doors that no one can shut and shuts doors that no one can open. Today I was thinking of shutting doors no one can open. There are doors of sickness being shut in your life. I sense that. No. There are doors we are shutting down in your body. Never again. No, every June this happens. Never again. Shuts doors no one can open. Ha, 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 ha. Now it says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy. So when we come... Now listen, the Bible says we have come to Mount Zion, to the city of our living God. And in Isaiah, we have told we've come uh, to the city of our festivities. When we come for church, it's a festival. It's a festivity. It shouldn't be strange for us to shout. It's not in my personality. Okay, just try. Do ah. <laughs> I'm just saying, one way of ministering to the Lord. It's like, it's like you're cheering. You're like, yeah, that's my MVP. Come on, I don't get in my phone. Number... Let me tell you something. There was a time when I, when I just started getting deeper in the things of the Lord. Some of you knew me. I was very uptight, like you be in a meeting. People are dancing. I would have a very deep face. Like I don't know who told us that that, that means you're deep. So for me, I would always be like, I, if I dance, it would be one of those dances for a pastor. For when worship comes, 
One day I'm walking and I hear the Holy Spirit say, Fred, loosen up. I'm serious. Psalm 149, verse 3. You're going to read it together. Uh huh. That's it. That's it. How many of you have ever attended a festivity? Now, like, for, you know, for me, I've not attended that many. I think the biggest festivity I can relate with is a football match. I used to go and watch, when I was younger, I used to go and watch Sensational Zanako. And I also watched a few Zambia games. People who you see as bank managers, CEOs, was, hey, polo, polo. Yeah. I'm serious. So, we cannot deny that when we are happy with something, we dance. You hear some people say, no, and at our churches, we don't believe in dancing. Go watch them at a wedding. Mm, you're like, ah, ah. <laughs> Watch them at a wedding. Where did they learn? That's why people go dancing to my places. I'm telling you. <laughs> Where did they learn? What am I trying to say? One way of ministering to the Lord is with a dance. I mean, far be it from you that you've danced on more wedding lineups than you've danced in church. There is nothing, there is nothing spiritual about doing this during praise and worship. Nothing spiritual about it. It's a myth. There is no fruit of the spirit called seriousness. The angels in heaven dance when a person is saved. Look at this. Is it Luke 10 verse 20? Is it? Some people think, no, dancing is of the flesh. Let's look at Luke 10. Is it verse 20? In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. He rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Father, Lord of heaven, that you have hidden these things. Can you imagine? He rejoiced in the Spirit. So there is ministering to the Lord God dancing. How do you think God feels when you see someone out of their own free will dancing? And everyone says, why are you dancing? Do you remember the time when David danced? David danced with all his might. His wife sat him down, gave him a lecture, and said, what do you learn at these main conferences of yours? For you to be dancing like this. And then David turned to the wife and said, I'm dancing before the God who made me king instead of your father. Ha ha! Number three, another way of ministering to the Lord by giving. By giving. Now, by the way, I want us to see something. The, the, the verse we're on, Psalm 149 verse 3, the one which talked about dancing, I want you to see the next verse. Psalm 149 verse 3. So the scripture tells us, let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbre and the harp. That's showing us that the musical instruments must be involved in praising God. So we praise God for a cappella. It's got its place, but let's also use some musical instruments if we can have them. Next verse. Why should we do that? For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. He takes pleasure in that. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I would like to do a dance just to make him happy. 
heart. So now, the, uh, by giving, that's number four. Second Chronicles 7 verse 5. How many of you have heard about King Solomon? The thing that we know most about Solomon is that God came to him and asked him for anything he wanted, right? Now, what was special about Solomon was this. He managed to do what David's heart desired, which was to rebuild the temple. And when he did that, there was a special ceremony. He made a strong prayer and all those things. I think it's Second Chronicles chapter 7. Now, before God approached him, there's a part that we don't know. There are things that he did that we don't know. Or should I say that we overlook? One of the things that Solomon did in ministering to the Lord, it was not just the singing. Maybe let's start from verse 3 for context. Okay, so the fire came down, the glory of the Lord on the temple. They bowed their faces on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For his good and his mercy endures forever. Let's go. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. God came down and what did they start doing? They said offering sacrifices. Next verse, I want you to see the sacrifice Solomon gave. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of 72,000 bulls and 170,000 sheep. So the king and all the people, hey, wait. Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. I don't know how much Lowola you would have paid with that. 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. And I'm sure he learned this from his father. Do you remember the time when David wanted land for the temple? And then someone wanted to give him for free, saying, you are the king. And then David says, I will not, no, I can't do something for the Lord which costs me nothing. And so he offered a sacrifice, 22,000 bulls, 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. Later on, God appeared to him and spoke about wisdom. You can minister to God by your offering. Do you know that there are people in the Bible who got God's attention by their giving? Have you ever heard of a man named Cornelius? He was the first Gentile. The Bible says his alms had come up as a memorial before God. The fight between Cain and Abel, how did it start? It's because Abel gave, Abel gave according to how God wanted him to give and Cain didn't. You can imagine it's Genesis 4. The world has just been created, but they knew. They, they came before God to offer offerings. The day you discover this, you'll take offering time seriously. You'll stop giving change as offering. Yes, I use the word change. Someone will say, Apostle, what if those two coins I, are all I have? It's not all you had during the week. You just didn't plan. No, for a lot of people. No, I'm being honest. There are a number of people who during the week... It was party after party, as in little shawarma, the next day pizza, the next day this, the next day this. And by the end of the week, all they were left with in their wallet was a receipt and two coins. They said, God, this is for you from my humble heart. Oh my God. The Bible says each person must give as he has purposed in his heart. There are times when you give a little more than you usually do. You plan it and say, this one... There are, times, there are times for me, I've just come to you and said, let me just do more than usual. Let me just bless the Lord with my offering because it's part of ministering to the Lord. Number five. It's, num number, th it's number four. I'm glad you're following. 
Number four, Psalm 63, verse 4. This is how we minister to him. There are many scriptures on this. I did a teaching on this. Psalm 63, verse 4. One, two, three, go. Come on, do it. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Can you imagine how God feels the whole church right now is lifting their hands? Praise the Lord. You know, like, um, when we're having our worship sessions, train your body. Train it. Now, things I'm telling you are things I want you to, I want to see you doing at church, but I also want you to practice them at home. Sometimes just say, oh Lord, I've just come to lift up my hands before you. Like you're worthy. You're worthy. Sometimes you're working, you take a five-minute break to the bathroom, and you're just going to, I've just come to lift up my hands. You're worthy. You're worthy. Praise the Lord. Number five. Luke 17, verse 16. How many of you remember the story of the guy who came back to say thank you? There's a way he did it. Give me, let's start from verse 14 for context. Hey, hey. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. These were ten lepers. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Uh-huh. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God. He, did he glorify God in his heart? And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Let me mention this. It shouldn't be abnormal for you as a believer to prostrate yourself before God. If you've never done it, do it today. Go home today, go in your room. Some people believe the place has to be dirty. No. Clean it if you want. Put a mat. No, your worship is not better because, you know, there were those days like. Hallelujah. <laughs> Prostrate yourself. Just put a mat. If it needs a pillow, put it there. Put your face down before God and just say, I worship you. If I was to add another one, kneeling. Kneeling. Praise the Lord. You kneel. But for the sake of today, let me have one more. You put kneeling as your sixth one. Let's have the seventh one. Revelations 15, verse 3. 1, 2, 3, read. Can I tell you something? I've just, this thought has just hit me. We always talk about singing the songs of heaven. Can you imagine heaven sings the song of Moses? Well, I've just thought about that. You know, that, you know what song that is? That is not Exodus 14. Or is it Exodus 12, somewhere there? 12, 14, when, when they came out from Egypt and then Moses... There was a song, something about um, his marvelous, awesome in power, waking wonders every hour, and, and something like that. Eh? Now, don't you find it interesting that Moses' song is so good that heaven sings it? I don't know about you, but I would like heaven to sing, How can I fail to love you? The day I'm entering, I'm just hearing everyone, How can I fail to love I can't I to love 
Okay. Now what's point number seven? Point number seven is singing. Singing songs of praise, singing songs of worship. Singing songs of praise, songs of worship. Also songs that declare his work. Some may wonder, how, why do we sing sometimes songs like, um, um, there's an outpouring of abundance. We're singing his works. That's what Moses did. Moses sang his works. Moses sang his works. So sing songs of praise and of worship. You can, the Bible says, break forth into singing. Sometimes it's spontaneous. There are spontaneous songs. But what I mean is, it should be normal. People of God, when it's time to sing, every voice must be heard. We'll start inspecting. We'll be sending security, walk around. I imbow you. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Praise him. We must sing songs of praise and of worship. 